Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this current series, we've been talking about CIC issue number 67. You can find that on our website at CICMinistry.org. Now, the title of this issue is John the Baptist and Prophets Nations, and we've kind of covered a lot of different things. I think we are on episode six now. Does that seem right? So can you just give us a review of what we've already covered, and then we'll pick up in the middle of the article? Yes. Up until this point, we've been showing from Scripture that the last prophet to nations was John the Baptist, and that there'll be no other persons with that role until the two witnesses in the book of Revelation during the tribulation period. Okay? Okay. Right now, God draws out the boundaries of the nations, Acts 17. The nations are governed by providence, and civil authorities are ordained by God, and this is a great benefit to us to be under civil authorities, because if we weren't, we'd be under the demons. Right. Okay, we've talked about that. I, I can't remember which different shows we've done. Uh, Eric and I talked about how God rules his world. There, that there was a, a great series. Worldview. You may want to go look at that. But the fact that we got even wicked civil government is a benefit because if it wasn't that, we'd be under the sons of God, the fallen ones, that would be very, very detrimental to life on earth. And that's why God uh, has put a, a barrier between us and them so that we're not directly interacting with fallen angels and demons. Okay. And when it comes to human civil authorities, at least they're in the same realm we are. Right. We can see them. We can know exactly what they're saying. And in some cases, uh, we have we can disagree with them. Okay? Mm -hmm. And you can certainly appeal to them, which is exactly what happened in the book of Acts. And it was civil authorities, frankly, that stepped in in Acts 21 that intervened when the Jews really wanted to get rid of Paul altogether. They were starting a riot. That's right. And so and he appealed to Caesar. Right. And he, see, and he appeals to his Roman citizenship. I'm teaching through action, our Sunday school, when I'm doing Sunday school. And this next week, I'm going to talk about how Paul revealed his Roman citizenship when he was in Philippi. And they were very proud of Roman citizenship, and they had beaten him, which was illegal to do to a Roman citizen without right. a trial. And so they wanted to get him out of there. They, they said, you can go. Paul said, no, I'm not going anywhere. I want the authorities to come down here themselves and talk to me and let me out of here. And, and, and so they said, good, please go. We want you to go. And yeah. so uh, we see interactions and acts with the civil authorities. So there's no doubt the civil authorities are ordained by God. Right. Now, what we've been saying 
is that the, there are people out there who want to be prophets and they think that they're somehow the latest Elijah or the latest prophet to the nations and they predict the future and they make these grandiose claims. And so they're, they're wrong again and again. In previous episodes, we've covered the many different ways that they're wrong. Right. Following a false prophet will never help you. No, and oh. as we showed before, it doesn't do any good to hear somebody's prophecy that may or may not be true. Right. Because we already know what may or may not be true in the future without any prophets. Yep. And so if they're, unless they're 100% accurate, they're worthless. Correct. Because I already know what may be true or may not be true, which is what we always know. Okay. So, well, so then that brings us kind of to where we are now. How are we as Christians to interact with the civil government then? Our role is clearly not to go be prophets to rebuke the kings or presidents or whatever system we have. What is our role? Well, Paul wrote to the Roman Christians telling them to submit to these authorities because they're ordained by God. Now, let me quote that, Romans 13, 1 and 2. Okay. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Unquote. Romans 13, 1 and 2 in the New American Standard Bible. Okay. And I, I wish more Christians understood how God rules his universe. It would be so beneficial if they did. Okay. Right. And I'm not happy with our governing authorities here in America. Here in Minnesota, we've got a lot of really incompetent people, in my opinion. Okay. In America, yeah. we get to have an opinion. That's not true everywhere in the world. But that's what we got, okay? And so we go about our business the best we can. And we, by God's grace and his providence, uh, can have addressed these things. We can write letters to the editor if we like to do that. But really, what Christians want to do, and I know what I want to do, and what keeps me from writing more letters than I do, is that I'm a preacher, and I want everyone to hear the gospel. Right. That's okay. our business right now. Right. And people who utterly and totally disagree with me about political ideas, maybe those who listen to the gospel and are converted. Yeah. I've actually seen that happen. And then that's more important than everything else. And that's very clear in the book of Acts. Nothing was more important than the gospel would be preached. And that's what, as we ended with Agabus, they, they were pleading with Paul not to go to Jerusalem because Agabus predicted accurately what would happen when he went. Right. But he wanted to go there because he was wanting to testify about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what he did. That's exactly what he did. 
And that's what he was driven to do. He was going to testify. And he believed he was going to end up in Rome, which he, which he did. And so he went before one civil authority after another. But it turns out it was civil authorities that actually rescued Paul from the angry Jews in Jerusalem. Yes. Okay. He appealed to his Roman citizenship. Right. That was a big benefit to him. So Paul respected authority. One time he rebuked a Jewish authority and said, God will smite you, you whitewashed sepulcher or something like that. Yeah. And then he said, oh, I didn't, you shouldn't speak to the high priest that way. He said, oh, um, I didn't know he was high priest because the scripture says, thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. Now, you might say that's just a throwaway phrase, but not really in Acts. Because what we have going on is Jesus going to Jerusalem to be rejected by wicked, rebellious authorities. Right. Wicked, rebellious Jewish authorities. And he laments over Jerusalem. Often I would gather you, but you would not. These things have been hidden from your eyes. And they don't want to come to Christ. They're, they want him crucified. They want to be rid of him. So there's a kind of a parallel thing, although only Christ, obviously, is the sinless son of God who died for sins once for all. And his rejection in Jerusalem was predicted in the Old Testament. And that fact was preached by the apostles that, that Jesus would be rejected. And he said that he must be rejected. And so right. you have the whole travel narrative in Luke, starting in Luke 9.51 all the way to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is a place that rejects prophets. Okay, so... Yeah, definitely. And so when Paul gets there, there's yet more rejection. But he's bound, determined to go to Jerusalem, just like Jesus was. And so these civil authorities certainly are not aligned with God's saving purposes, their enemies, but yet they're ordained by God. Okay. And now people ask, well, how can that be? How can God ordain anything that's wicked? Well, go back to Acts 2, 22 to 23. This man delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified at the hands of wicked men, but God would not allow him to suffer decay, and he preaches, Peter preaches the gospel. Yeah. So it was the preordained plan that Messiah would be rejected and killed, but it was, and it was the ordained plan of God, but yet it was done by wicked people. So their wickedness is morally culpable wickedness, and the Bible isn't calling it anything else, but at one and the same time, it's saying it's the plan of God because it was how God was going to bring forth salvation to the nations. Right. And we have the same thing in Genesis 50 and verse 20 where Joseph said, you meant this for evil, but God for good. Yeah. So, so wicked people plan wicked things, and God allows it so that he can use it for good. For the greater good. And that greater good is a gospel greater good. Maybe yes. the really bad stuff of civil authorities will drive some people to Christ. 
maybe they'll maybe they'll quit putting their hope in government. Right. Maybe they'll quit putting their hope in all this socialist nonsense and lies that are being perpetrated on America because people somehow forgot the socialism leads to a lot of people dying. Always. Always. Yeah. They don't seem to know that. They think they're going to get utopia. Well, we've, we've preached and talked about that and explained it, and I've written about it. I wrote about it in my book on Emergent. But God allows it. So we have to be here truly prophesying. And that's something we need to talk about. Truly prophesying, which is to preach the terms of the gospel. And we can, yes, we can predict the future in a sense. Okay. We can say that there awaits certain judgment upon the enemies of God. And that if you do not, if you do not turn to Christ, and you persist living in your own sin, and you do not submit to the Savior and repent and trust in Him and believe in Him alone, put your faith in Christ, it's a certain thing that you face certain future judgment. What we don't know is when that will happen. Okay? Okay. So that's prophesying. And that's predicting the future. I'm and we know right, it will happen. That's 100% accurate. Right. I'm predicting right here there will be a future judgment. Now you might say, well, everybody knows that. No, they don't. I wrote a whole book about emergent. They don't believe it. They don't right. believe it in a future judgment. They believe the future is universally glorious and rosy for all, including the cosmos. God isn't going to rain down fire and destroy everything and have a new heaven and new earth. And uh, th this is just going to all evolve into some future paradise. Didn't one of the emergent teachers say that God is the future drawing everything into himself yeah, or something was, along those lines? That was their theological source, Jürgen Moulton. And I, I have a chapter about that. But they were saying that Tony Jones and company would say that again and again. And this yeah. is still out there, by the way. I just finished reading a book, Jessica, that you mentioned to me that's popular by a guy from England. It's the same stuff. The same yeah. Oh, everything's going to turn rosy. Uh, I know what liberalism looks like. I grew up in a church that was filled with liberalism. They put on their rose-colored glasses, and they look mm -hmm. out there. Oh, everybody's good. Everything's nice. The good Lord would never send anybody to hell. We can't know about these things. We can't know about miracles. But we can be good people. Well, doesn't that sound nice? Well, then they said the Bible is stories to make us be better persons, but they denied the historicity of the Bible. Well, now they have a different version. They make it more mystical, more of a romantic, mystical uh, future that they see. But there is a prophetic role. And here's what is urgent, in my opinion. These so-called prophets are false. They have false issues. They're obscuring the truth. They're confusing people about the gospel. In many cases, they're failing to warn about the true judgment to come because they're too busy predicting things that don't come true. Right. 
And so people might worry that the stocks are going to crash or that uh, some bad thing's going to happen, whatever these, you know, the earth is going to be flooded, which is the one thing we know will not happen because we have rainbows as a sign from God to prove it won't. Okay. Yeah. But they want to predict that. Oh, yeah, we're getting the global warming is going to uh, destroy life on earth. It's all going to flood and existential threat, they call it. No, that's a lie, because we know that from the Bible, that that's a lie. But so whatever it is they're doing, they're confusing everybody. True prophecy is based on what we do know, not what we cannot know. Okay. All right? Yeah. What we cannot know is future events that aren't predicted in the Bible. All right. Well, why don't let's take a second. We're going to actually back up in the article just a little bit, but let's take a second to talk about First Thessalonians 5 2. That's the one future event that we know is coming and we don't know when and we don't know details, but it's important because this is prophecy as you just described it. Now, let me just quote this paragraph. All right. Okay. Neither Agabus nor anyone else who ministered from the day Pentecost. Um, claim the role of an Old Testament prophet to nations. Paul's writings contain prediction, predictions of future judgment, but they will not come until the end of the age. This is writing okay. three in my article uh, from uh, December, uh, November, December 2001. Here's what he says uh, about the day of the Lord. Quote, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2. Now, the day of the Lord is the day of God's wrath and judgment. Okay. Now, we know from Bible prophecy and some of the details in Daniel and Revelation and Matthew 24 and Thessalonians, there's just a broad day of the Lord and then a narrow day of the Lord. Okay. The broad day of the Lord is Daniel's 70th week. Okay. Eric and I have been teaching that the entire seven-year tribulation period constitutes God's wrath. Because he right. removes the restraint. The church is raptured. And then during those seven years, the world finally gets what they want. And by the way, we mentioned those who, who don't think we should have civil government or they, I don't, I don't know what they're thinking about. They don't know the Bible, evidently. Yeah. Uh, you got to be careful what you want. Right. As long as we have multiple civil governments ruling over geographical territories as drawn out by God's providence, we're not in the day of the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Re evil's being restrained to a certain degree, enough that we can preach the gospel. You might say, well, I don't see a lot of restraint. The cities are on fire. Yeah. You're right. I don't see a lot either, and it's right next door. I could yeah. get on a, a, a long walk and walk over to where they burnt down the buildings in our city. Right. And so we have civil authorities that don't want to do their job, which is to restrain evil, but that's what they're there for. And it's going to be way worse when we don't have them. Yeah. And actually, that's a good example. 
Okay, there was ruling authorities. The ruling authorities abdicated and said, okay, we're just going to let the rioters get this all out of their system. <laughs> and it snowballed fast. It got ridiculously out of control. Okay? Lack of authority was way worse than the evil authority that was there. And then it took a bigger authority to come in and get it under control. They had to call out the National Guard to restore peace. They brought in the National Guard. So well, we still got problems here because we got socialists running things and they don't, they think, they don't believe in a sin nature. Okay. That's the main thing. Yeah. The romantic view of the world. Everybody's evolving into some pristine, perfect self. And uh, arresting criminals is just not giving them a chance to evolve into their better self or whatever. Right. So, so let's call yeah, out the so, let's call in the social workers to help them talk through their problems. It doesn't work. I, I you know, Jessica, I was a pastor mm -hmm. in that same area that burnt down. Yeah. I was up thankfully we got that building sold and got out of there while we had a chance, but that was twenty five years of my life. I know what it's like to be face to face with evildoers. Yeah. Being restrained by the government. I lived it. I had my life threatened many times and who, who are and cons and scams and every kind of thing under the sun, vandalism, and then have the government side with the evildoers rather than the pastor. Yeah. Send us a fine for having been the victim of graffiti. Yeah, yeah they're really good at yeah, they're really good at punishing the victims of the crime. Mm -hmm. Now we know all that and we can say it and we're saying it right now. But I'm telling you the truth from scripture. We're better off this way than we will be when the restraints removed. Yes. And there'll be none. Yeah. Because multiple civil governments with boundaries drawn out by God's providence will be removed. And everyone will give their authority eventually to Antichrist. Yep. And literally the abyss will be opened up and the demons that have been locked up there the fallen angels, the, those particular ones, that have been there since Genesis 6, are going to come out and start biting people and stinging people. And then they'll cry out for because of their pain and their misery. And then when it finally subsides a little, they go back to their sorceries. Well, we want more of it. Yeah. Just read Revelation. It's literal. It's not, don't believe these people say it's never going to happen because they have no ground to say that. So, Dear listeners, we don't know that we actually have it better off than what it will be. So we can prophesy with authority the terms of the gospel and how to come to Christ. And right. how to escape future judgment. When, we, when, when, uh, when we're told to flee from the wrath to come by fleeing to Christ through the blood atonement, trust him alone, believe in G the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. That doesn't mean we're not going to have problems with civil governments or evildoers. Right. It's going to be our no civil government here right now is going to be perfect. It's oh, they, not going to happen. They slow down the process of Antichrist coming. Right. Okay. Um, and so there, it's not our job to overthrow the government. And, and here's why. I mean, we can exercise every right we have, including voting. I yeah. do that every single time, but 
it's been, I don't know, maybe 10 years since somebody I voted for won. Yeah. I still go down and do it, and I suggest that, our, that people do. Uh, so at least I feel like, well, I didn't vote for this. Yeah. Now, the fact is that it's still better. Now, the only reason you'll believe that is if you take the Bible literally. Right. If you don't think any of the things in Revelation will ever happen, or if you're one of those Reformed people who believe in post-millennialism, that the Christians are going to rule the world, and it's going to get better and better and better because we're in charge. Now, that idea has been around America for 200 and some years, and I've written about it. Well, you're in fantasy land, okay? Yeah. We're called to declare the terms of salvation and to call people out of the world and into the kingdom of God and to care for the flock. We're not here to use armies to force people to be Christian. Right. That, that, that's not the gospel, and it doesn't work that way. No, and I've written about that, and I'll be writing more. It's absurd, but we've got a lot of people. They, we've had plenty of wars where various Christian churches are trying to take over nations. Some of them yeah. succeeded, and things weren't any better under them. Okay, so we got to get this right. There are no prophets to nations until Daniel's 70th week. You can say, I don't believe Daniel's 70th week means anything. It all happened in 70 AD, whatever you want to believe. I'm telling you here, you're wrong. Yeah. Because they're thinking, oh, it's all got to be right now, and we got to take dominion now, and there's not going to be any Daniel's 70th week. There's not going to be those two witnesses. None of these things are going to happen. So let's fight it all out right now. And I, I've been calling on reform people to repent of their false eschatology for decades. Yeah. They mock me. They call me a dispensationalist, uh, follower, Darby, whatever they want to call me. I don't care because the scripture is the scripture. And Paul said the day of the Lord will not come until the lawless one's revealed. It'll come as yes. a thief, and then the lawless one will be revealed. And okay. we're going to have to just take the Bible and believe everything it says, if we can understand it according to the author's intent. Now, if you okay. can prove to me that John thought that all those things he saw will never happen, try it. Try to prove that. John was just deluded when he thought all this was going to happen. Well, you can't say that because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Well, John was just telling us uh, how sort of a, in a figurative, apocalyptic way, a bunch of things they had to do with Nero or Rome or, or something else. Uh, I don't know how that kind of uh, mystical hermeneutic comforts you, dear Reformed friends, but you're missing out. Why don't you go back and take it literally, if possible, unless the author indicates that it's figurative. And when John tells us something figurative, he tells us what it's figurative for. He does it all, right. the, does it all the time. And so we got to get that straight. And then what we got to get straight is what prophecy in the church is. 
That's right. And we are actually probably going to have to pick that up next week. We've right. only got a few minutes left. Okay. But I wanted to bring up something. I mean, probably most of us who are listening to this, at least in the few weeks after we record this, um, these stay out for years and years. So if you're looking back on 2020, <laughs> you know more than we do right now. But we're in really hard times as it relates to our role with the civil governments. And, you know, there's um, Pastor John MacArthur right now is fighting a big battle just to have his church open and let people sit under the means of grace every week. There's, there's really very concerning things going on when it comes to our civil government and submitting to them. As I was preparing for a recording today, I went back and listened to the the series, the Romans series that you did with Dick Cuffle. And I listened to the one that you did on Romans 13 verses 1 through 7. If anybody out there wants to hear those, it was a great series, but especially that one message. You go to cicministry.org, go under radio, click series, click Romans, and you can find the one on Romans 13, 1 through 7. Dick Cuffle brought up a verse that I thought was interesting. And, and it, there's, it kind of ties into where we are today, not that we are in captivity like the people in Jeremiah's day. But it, the verse he brought up when talking about Romans 13, uh, 1 through 7, was Jeremiah 29, 7. Okay. Now, keeping in mind, Jeremiah is speaking to people in captivity. Jeremiah 29, 7. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. Right. That is just right. so profound. Even in a horrible situation, pray for your city, no matter how bad it is, for right. in its peace you will have peace. Well, isn't it also interesting that we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Yes. And... Uh, Remember, Jesus lamented they didn't know the things that made for peace? Right. And Bible prophecy says it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, but yet there's a future millennial kingdom with Christ reigning on the throne of David. And, and we believe that. We believe that's literal. And so you're right. We should pay, pray for the peace of wherever we are and pay our taxes and be good citizens. But if we... We should stand up against anybody telling us we can't preach the gospel. Right. That's always been the issue. It was in Acts. And yeah. so I would affirm that pastors are saying, we're going to meet and we're going to preach. Go ahead. Yeah. You're doing what God called you to do. Yep. And so that's a situation where we need to obey God and not man. The civil authorities may say, you can't meet. We need to obey God. That's what we do. And so um, I think we can draw the lines biblically. It's all about the gospel and Christians serving God from the heart and caring for one another and praying for the civil authorities. God did ordain them. What helps me more than anything else is to remind myself it could be worse and there's a point coming when it will be worse. Some civil authorities are better than none. 
Because Absolutely. it would have been like in our city. At least the National Guard was there to call in when they finally got around to it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, it took a while. Yeah. Uh, well, once some, the city was burned, then they called in the National Guard. But once they were there, that was the end of it. Yeah. But some states don't even want that. They just want anarchy. But that's not how God's ruling. So they're, they're going to have a hard time uh, keeping anarchy as a viable government. Right. And, Which will never work because of the sin nature. Right. It's just going to release the sin nature. So pray that our ruling authorities would get an understanding of what their job is to restrain evil. And yes. next time, we want to talk about 1 Corinthians 14, because there are prophets, and I'll, I'll give you a little hint. It's every believer. Right. And we want to look at that. And by the way, I did mention some disagreements with reform. Luther and Calvin both uh, taught about First Corinthians 14 and, and believed that all believers could prophesy. Right. Okay. So we're in agreement there. We are. We are, although most people forgot about it. They, they went to something else later, but that's what the Reformation was about. Yes. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary. We want to remind you, you can access this program and many others and years worth of articles on the website, cicministry.org. And we want to remind you to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus. Bob Dewey. We'll see you next week.